Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Haunted History Chronicles. Joining me today is none other than Richard Felix, who many will recognise as the historian for Living TV's Most Haunted, in which he appeared in over 120 episodes. Richard has always been fascinated in history. For many years he's been a columnist, he's authored books, featured on TV shows and delivered lectures around the country. And today he's here joining me to chat about Derby Jail, a location which he bought in 1997 and then restored with much hard work, care and love to its current condition, mirroring as closely as possible its original state. Derby Jail has a dark and haunting history. It also has a reputation for ghostly activity. No surprise when you learn more about the happenings that took place there. So get comfy as we explore this history and the hauntings of Derby Jail with Richard. Hello. How are you doing? Thank you for joining me today on this very, very hot day. <laughs> pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Especially to talk about all the grim and wonderful things of life in prison and Derby Jail and the <laughs> incredible history. <laughs> Absolutely. Perfect topic. <laughs> yeah, just to keep everybody interested. Absolutely. Yeah. Take the minds off the heat. <laughs> Absolutely. So kind of before we get into the wonderful yeah. history of Derby, at, you know, Derby Jail in particular, yeah. you've had this incredible long career as a paranormal historian. I mean, just amazing some of the things that you've done within the field. What sparked your interest and kind uh, right. of got oh, you well, going into it? Right. There's two, there's two sides to this. Number one, um, I've always been frightened of ghosts. <laughs> Always, right from the age of about four. Always been frightened. And, and I hate to admit it, I still am. Even though I preach to everybody that ghosts are not there to get you. And that uh, the profession of a ghost, if it had one, wouldn't be to scare you. They're not there. That's Hollywood. That's that's TV. That's Most Haunted. That's uh, Ghost Adventures and and... M.R. James and Edgar Allan Poe, and we love it. We love to be scared, but that's not what they're about. But I still have, even to this day, a, a fear uh, and, and a healthy respect for them. So that's, that's so I suppose mm, something that you're frightened of, I, su I suppose you may well have a, an interest in, perhaps. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, so that's for, but the other one is that really, it, it really started with, with the fact that uh, I was chairman of Derby. Derby and Derbyshire Tourism Association and got really interested in, in the history of Derby, realising that, you know, how much York makes out of its its history and its heritage. I opened a heritage centre in, in the centre of Derby in an old Tudor grammar school with a ghost in it, which didn't do me a lot of good, to be quite honest with you, knowing that, you know, I'd got to go upstairs. You know, I did I did not like going up into where the dormitories were alone, really didn't like it. Wouldn't stay in there alone at night, not under any circumstances. And then I thought, well, we've got to try and do start doing things to attract people to Derby. York do ghost walks, Chester do ghost walks. So I started started the Derby Ghost Walk 30, 30 years ago, and I didn't like it. I thought it was rubbish because <laughs> basically I'd I'd read up quite a lot about the ghost stories right from from the city of Derby, and I didn't believe it. You know, I thought, if I'm going to do this professionally, I need to believe in what I'm doing. And so I stopped. I only did one. And everyone said how much they enjoyed it, apart from me. Um, and if I'm going to do it, I need to 
I need to be able to, it needs to be credible. The stories, or as I call them, accounts, not stories, they need to be credible. I need to believe and I need to try and find the history behind the haunting, which makes the haunting so much more credible. And that's that's how it started. And so I stopped for uh, well over six months, didn't do one at all. And then I came back with a what I believe to be a ghosts and history walk. Is what, you know, and referred to myself as a, as a paranormal historian uh, because that's the whole crux of the matter. Ghosts and history go together. Oh, I completely agree. I completely agree. I think without the two, yeah. you are missing something. You know, it really allows us to understand parts of the past and the people involved rather than it just be something, like you said, that lacks some of the, the credibility. You know, to really understand the person around that event, that haunting, that it, it becomes not a story. It becomes something far more real and far more yeah. something that we can understand. Yes. And, and I say so often to people, I'm sorry, guys, but I actually can't prove the ghost story, mm. but I can prove the history behind it. If you then take it a stage farther and, and try and prove what sort of haunting it is. What, well, actually, there's something I've never looked up. I've never actually looked at what the word haunting means. Or haunt? No, neither have I. Now then, there's one. Because obviously when I wrote the book, plug, 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 when I wrote the book, What is a Ghost? First thing I knew I needed to do was to prove, to try and try and prove what, or find out what the word ghost means. G-H-O-S-T. You know, because everybody, oh, I've seen a ghost, I've heard a ghost, there's a ghost in there. Well, what, 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 what do you mean? What, what is a ghost? That's the whole idea. That's the, that's the book. That's the stage show that it is. It's called What is a Ghost? Because that's what, what so many people don't seem to, to understand. And no, I think so many, so many people's perception of ghosts and hauntings are the things that we see on television and yes. through films. Yeah. And it's great. That does provide people a kind of a way into this field. Yes. You know, it's the beginning of exploring this field. But it is yeah. so much bigger than that. Oh, God, yeah, that's the thing. And, and so, you know, although, as you probably know, I, I resigned from Most Haunted on, on Series 8 uh, b because of the, the Scooby-Doo side of things, um, mm. I, I can only pat them on the back and say, well done, guys, because you have created an incredible awareness yeah. of the paranormal. And um, I will admit, I watched it. I remember sitting in my little university yeah. um, you know, <laughs> yeah. bedroom and yeah. when just watching it avidly i mean it was it was incredible and it really was the first of its kind it was and you know well done for that because without that who knows we who wouldn't knows. be talking now no exactly so yeah it it really was a kind of a landmark tv series i think yes, yes, people it was. really the, involved in this field yeah there's no doubt about it. the only thing that came before it that i think and was was exceptionally good of course was strange but true with michael aspel yeah and yeah. that was, but that was not quite, that was much more like what I've done with, what I've done with all the DVD, all the videos I've done over the years. Yeah. I go out and I go to the place and I talk about it. And that's why I say, you know, the kind of body of 
things that you have done, the work that you've put out, the sheer volume of things that you've looked at, written about, <laughs> talked about. I mean, it really is incredible. You've done so much. You've travelled every part of Britain, pretty much. Oh, yeah. Well, I've done 37 counties yeah. on on video. I haven't finished yet, but I haven't no. done it. I'll tell you it's the problem. Awful. Obviously, the DVD video game is, 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 is over, and now it's all down to downloads, and and, you, and it's not it's not quite the same. So I haven't done anything. I haven't done a, I haven't done a video for 10 years. That's not true. Yes, I have. I did, I did. I started just before COVID. I started a series called The Haunted Hotel Inspector. <laughs> and I've only done one. <laughs> we need to keep going. I know. I did, will... but, well, COVID came and that was the end of that. I've only done one in a, in a village called, well, it's a town, a small town called Belper in Derbyshire. Fascinating old coaching in with some extreme. So basically what I do is I go, I go there for 24 hours and I spend the day and night there and spend the night in the haunted the haunted room or bedroom or whatever it is and see what happens and and inspect it <laughs> give it points give it marks give it, a little, give, give it a number of rosettes <laughs> yes exactly exactly and and the first one went really well and then i was all set oh yeah to do the schooner at almouth almouth um but it's, it's nothing's happened nothing's happened yet uh i need to get back to it but uh, hopefully yeah. Hopefully. COVID kind of put a kink in lots of people. It really for a did, while. yes. By Jove, it's messed the, the world up, hasn't it? Yeah, and although we're getting slowly back to normal, it is still it does still feel like we are still slowly getting back to You're normal. You're right. You know, it's yeah. not we're not there really. No, are we're we? not. No, no. I'm not. You know, no. I, um I've got this I mean I I, I had COVID in, in I think November. And I've had worse I've had worse flu. But um, you know, it it's it sort of it's given me this rather silly can't be bothered attitude uh, yeah. which is not good i think i think we also became very much isolated in our own homes didn't it and so then oh gosh yeah when life does resume you've kind of become used to being more more like a homebody you know yes true being very within true. your within your space so yeah. i can understand that one yeah so i imagine given that your route kind of looking at the heritage of derby was really where your passion for derby jail came yes from. yes so and you've had possession of it. You took over a long time ago. How yeah. is it that it came to sit in your hands, this incredible building with this incredible history? I mean, yeah. second to none. Because, I mean, it's pedigree, second to none. Amazing. Um, you know, all these, it's all these wonderful jails around. The prisons, not jails. There's a difference. A prison is where you were put in <laughs> prison later. A jail is was like being on remand. Mm. And you were only kept in the jail until the trial, until yeah. punishment or or acquittal, which wasn't very often, until the trial took place. And then then punishment was meted out, which wasn't imprisonment, uh, not, not when mine was built. So it's a very different kettle of fish because mm. uh, we see all these incredible jails and they're all bigger, much, much, much bigger than mine. You know, hundreds of cells sort of thing. And I always say it's all very well, but, you know, how many, how many prison cells can you go in? On an event, yeah. exactly. They're all kind one of very cells, much the same. One cell's the same as the other. How, right? How many of those cells are actually haunted? Well, we don't. Well, not most. Two hundred, two hundred of them, three. <laughs> but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it, it has got a pedigree. It really has. It's only small because there's not a lot of it left apart from the dungeons. Um, but it, it, it's got a pedigree. And basically, obviously, the tourism job, knowing there was this preserved 18th century jail. Uh, still around and I'd started doing ghost walks it was a nightclub it had been converted terribly converted into a nightclub with lots of 
ghost well history but go, a lot of ghost stories about it as well and i used to take people in there when it was a nightclub on a ghost walk and people would buy a drink while they were in there and i'd take them around and show them you know the condemned cell and the other cells that were there and and one or two of the doors that were had been preserved that had been mount, mounted on the wall and stuff and, and that went pretty people loved it and then oh i don't know when it was but i got a phone call from the lady that ran it asking me if i'd like to buy the doors and i said well it's a grade two star listed building you, you sorry mother you can't sell them why would you want to sell them anyway oh sure i'm 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 doing a moonlight I, I haven't paid the rent for three years and oh you know so and i'm going to spain and if you don't want them there's a dealer in birmingham that'll buy them well i you know obviously what i did was got in, th- in touch with the authorities couldn't I, I i knew i couldn't but i didn't want to buy the doors but you know if i could i i, I wouldn't be able to it's, it's listed you can't do it so i got in touch with the authorities and they actually came in and locked the building up sealed the building uh and off she went and the bouncers that used to drink in there when they'd finished bouncing, what's a better word, uh, at five in the morning. It was a ter- It was a, a den of iniquity. It was dreadful. And they were going to turn it into a strip club. And uh, so that was it. I thought, no, 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 no. This The history of this place is too good to, uh, to for this. So I thought, I'll, I'll do it. I'll have it. I'll take it. And then I spent eight, literally 18 months trying to put it back as much as I could to Derby Jail 18, 1756 because it was plastered, painted. Every, every cell had had the doorways knocked out into big squares, um, knocked from one cell to the next cell to the next cell. Every, you know, so so I, I had to have it all sandblasted, all the plaster and the pack taken off to expose the original, of the floors, the, 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 the brickwork. The, I, I got the doors re-hung uh and dipped to get the paint off them and, and and then found all this incredible graffiti all over the doors from the prisoners the condemned cell with 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 uh gallows scratched on them with the guy's initials inside you know he was going to hang tomorrow morning and he left his last message on, on the doors before being i mean it's, it's just it is incredible um the last the last hanging drawing and quartering in provincial england took place in front of my building uh, on November the 7th, 1817. The last beheading with an axe in Great Britain in front of Derby Jail. Just wow. incredible. I mean, really yeah. just mind-blowing. And so fortuitous that you got that phone call because if it hadn't have been for that, goodness knows what may have happened to it and how it may have really yeah. kind of not be what it is today. I mean, someone it could have ended up with someone who really doesn't have that passion and love for it and wanted to bring the history of the building back. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, absolutely. Oh, it would have continued in some form or other mm. as some dive or or pub. Pub's all right, you know, obviously, so long as they lovingly restored it. But they wouldn't have done that. No, no, no. nobody but me <laughs> would do that. I mean, I did the same thing with the old uh, My Heritage Centre, which was a Tudor grammar school, mm. one of the oldest endowed grammar schools in the country, um, built in 1554. And it was a photographic stoop, 3,000 square feet of Tudor Grammar School with graffiti all over the walls and the oak panelling. Again, and I spent £100,000 on that. That's what's so incredible about what you've done, because by bringing it back to those true conditions, I mean, we we say graffiti, but what that reveals, what it tells us is so profound. I mean, you can really kind of feel the atmosphere and what it would have been like. Oh, yeah. It's the little messages. It's the evidence that yeah. it, 
yeah. that would be obliterated if it if you yeah. hadn't done that. Yeah. You see, bricks and mortar alone are boring. Mm-hmm. Bricks and mortar plus flesh and blood become fascinating. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, the Heritage Centre, right? I mean, I went in there. I used to write articles for a local newspaper called Personal Property. So it was the building and the people that occupied it. The story of the building and all the buildings in the centre of Derby. Um, and I went to this grammar school, which was a photographic studio. And it was complete. I mean, you would never know. You couldn't tell on the inside. It was a Tudor building. Mm. It was all officers, you know, all all. What's the word? Plasterboard and officers, and you couldn't see anything. Uh, but you went up into the top, into the dormitories, funnily enough, where the ghost was, uh, and there was still the original, you could still see the original plaster. It hadn't been modernised as such. And all over the walls, scratch, scratched into the plaster, were messages from the schoolboys that had been there. Mm-hmm. And the one that did it for me was um, scratched in one of the rooms, and it said, Hugh Bateman. Hugh Bateman ended up as um, the town clerk in Derby. Um, and it says, Hugh Bateman came here in 1728, went in 1735, when this you see, remember me. <laughs> I mean, what? And of course, I, I wrote this article um, in the Derby Telegraph. And all I put in it was, they were talking to me from the walls. That just is the perfect way of explaining it, because that's what you are getting you're getting it's what they've left behind it is it's their scratchings it's their messages and you know it can say so much and for a place like you know derby jail itself yeah what it tells you about their final moments what it tells you about the things that they were there for i mean just so rich so atmospheric and allows you that little window into this particular period of time conditions in prison you know tells you something about crime and punishment there's so many different kind of avenues that it, it allows you to explore and tap into oh, oh so much so much so you won't believe it yeah. um i say graffiti uh, and graffiti of those hanged mm. leaving their 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 marks their last last little messages drawings uh, and what were the, there's there's lots but one one of the fascinating ones uh, um that I, when i you see, i had to have the doors dipped because you see when it ceased to be a jail in 1840 the whole j- upstairs of the jail was converted into houses um, called the terrace. But luckily, they kept the dungeons as the cellars mm. for the houses. So it was all still there. But from 1840, those doors had been painted over and over. They'd been upside, turned upside down. They'd been cut short, all sorts of stuff, obviously, from an awful 150-odd years. I had to have... The- I knew there was graffiti there, but I couldn't see what it said mm. because there was so many... 150 years of paint uh, on the door. So I had them dipped. And, and I had a phone call from this antique uh, restoring guy. That, he says, you need to get yourself up here now. Because he said, as I'm doing this, I'm watching history come out of your doors. Uh, and I went up to see, and there was this one inscription um, of two men uh, on the gallows. Um, but we couldn't work out exactly what it was because one was a lot smaller than the other one. And so the first thought, oh, my God, is it is it a man and, and a child mm-hmm. that's been hanged? And luckily, they'd put they'd put their initials on. They put P and B on. And then underneath that, they'd put a date, 1804, luckily. So obviously, off to the Derby Mercury to search it. And um, it, it, it says, on, on Friday last, Richard Booth and John Parker, P and B, were executed on the gallows near this town, pursuant to their sentence at the last assizes. 
Parker appeared very penitent, but Booth, who was six feet four inches high, and so when he scratched that, when he scratched the effigy of, of the, the two of them on the gallows on that door, he made himself that much taller than his mate Parker, which to me was just wow, you know. And to find to find it in the newspaper, you know, the article telling that that one was six foot four inches high was was incredible. Oh, and then the other fascinating thing about the doors, which I've only just learned recently. Um, about 18 months ago, a guy rang me who's a historian, was a historian, I've known him for years, uh, at Derby, Derby College. And he said, I've, I've been down to uh, London and I went into one of the museums and there's some panels, wooden panels, that have been taken out of an old prison. And all over the doors, he said, are witch marks, which are apotropaic marks. Apotropaic is Greek for keep out. And he says, they're witch marks on the doors. I wonder if I could come down and have a look at your jail. So obviously he came down and he got his torch and his magnifying glass and, and he's going bonkers here because he says, Richard, you've got the Derby, Dale, Derby Jail door tour here because he says you've got witch marks all over the doors. Uh, but when we say witch marks, that's what they're called, but they're not. They were not frightened of witches coming in through the door. Through no. The doors. <laughs> they were frightened of evil spirits, ghosts and by scratching what was called a Marian mark, that Marian is Mary, mother of Jesus, they hoped that it would stop the evil spirits coming in to, to get them. Fear of God. It's incredible. It's incredible when you think about it. So these marks, the, 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 the best one of all, the most famous one, and all your listeners will be, after this, they'll all be wandering around the old houses when they do go ghost hunting, checking to see if they can find any. Mm -hmm. uh, because basically that where they put them, there was either, either on the surround of the door on the door, on the bolt or the latches of the door, round the windows, round the fireplace, any aperture that an evil spirit can get in from outside, they put witch marks on them to stop them coming in. And the the, the most, well, it's not famous, that's wrong, is a double V, VV. It's mm. not a W. There, there wasn't a W in the 18th century. It was double V, and it means virgin of virgins. VV, Virgin of Virgins, Mary, Mother of Jesus. And that's the one that you'll see most, double V. The other one you'll see is JM, Jesus and Mary. A saltire, which is St. Andrew's Cross, because that actually is it means keep out. In other words, if you've got two guards for the king with spears at the door and you try to get in, they cross their spears to stop you going in. And another famous one is, is a circle, just a circle done with a compass. And there's about five on, on my different doors. And, and the amazing thing is that there's actually a pinprick in the middle of the circle. Where on earth they got a compass from, I don't know. But basically, the, the circle was to attract the evil spirit into it. I mean, this is nonsense, by the way, now. And the fact that a circle had no corners in it meant that the, the spirits couldn't hide. But it's incredible because it just reveals so much of belief systems, superstitions... Yeah. And it's it's kind of a part of history that doesn't get as much attention. And it should, because it's fascinating. It reveals so much about life for the everyday common person yeah, and what does. they were thinking and believing. And a big part of that was about ghosts. It was about the fear of what happened next. Yes. Yes, and, you've got it. Yes, that's what's caused ghosts as well, because they yes. don't move on because they're frightened. But, yeah, to find all these witch marks is, is I've got excited. Actually, I'm on, I'm on at the moment in touch with... Um, 
oh dear, I can't think what it's called, uh, Historic England, because they're doing a uh, a bit of a, a thing about witch marks at the moment. And I've said to them, you, you want you want to get yourselves to Derby Jail. Because you see, the, the fascinating thing is that there aren't many, and I've tried to, there aren't many 18th century jails around still. No. And because again, that's so what makes you so unique. <laughs> yeah, because you see so I mean, Shep, Shep, Shepton Mallet, Gloucester, um, Portsmouth, blah, blah. They, they, they're on the site of, but so many of them were rebuilt in Victorian times yeah. when things changed, when, when the conditions were not as bad and they needed new air-conditioned toilets in them, you know, uh, um, whatever. They, they, changed, they knocked them down and rebuilt them. But mine's not. Mine is an 18th century jail with its original doors, wooden doors with the graffiti all over them and the witch marks. Because obviously by the 1800s, the, 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 that was it. They, they weren't terrified of, of evil spirits. like they, they were, but nothing like. You, you won't find many Victorian witch marks on doors. No. But that's it. They, they, people, had, people had grown up a bit <laughs> by then. Didn't have the fear in, in the way that they did in the... 1600s 1700s i mean fascinating because the other the only the other week i was um because this is something most people don't know so so you know all your listeners need to start you know when they go something uh, in an old property you need to check the the windows the doors the fireplaces and see if you can find any any and you'll also find them on church doors yes yeah which i think surprises people you know if they're told that's what they are but they are there yeah they are all over especially on the bolts and the That, that sort of thing. you'll find a lot of St Andrew's crosses on them, and it's the same thing to stop evil coming into the church. Would would you believe? Um, and only the other week I was watching this. There's a program I don't know if you've ever seen it. I think it's called Our Yorkshire Farm, mm-hmm. and it's this lady. She's got nine kids, nine nine kids that uh, all live on the farm. It's fast, very good program. And they were off up into the North York Moors, and they've got this old um, cow cow shed, stone cow shed, and everything else that looks as if someone, you know, the the shepherd or whatever during the winter or sometime would be up there tending the sheep or something. And they went inside it, and I'm looking and the filming, and I can see four <clears throat> double V's yeah. around the windows, cow shed to stop the evil spirits coming through the windows. Yeah, there was no kind of honour of life that it didn't kind of impact on because it it really was something that was part of everyday superstition. And so you, you find yes. them in incredible places. And again, it's just being aware of it and knowing about it. And again, I think that's the beauty of things like this, that, you know, when we talk about it, we raise awareness of it because it's not it's not kind of the m- part of mass public knowledge. No, it isn't. No. Then, you know, people start to kind of tap into that local community history and they see it and they understand it. Or, you know, if they're traveling somewhere else in, in England, you start to kind of make those connections with that part of the past which i think we could lose if we if we're not careful and oh, um, oh absolutely and again without I think that's history what's... there's no future <laughs> no and this is what i think is great about what you know you're doing at derby jail because you are allowing people to step back into something very much true to life you can experience the graffiti you can see the condemned cells you can mm. um you know you can see the gallows you can really experience it you've got so much there that you yeah. can look at yeah. and it yeah. and see for yourself and just put it in your head and try and imagine what it was like and, yeah. and hear like. the stories of, of yeah. some of the some of the stories story account uh, stories accounts whatever of the people that were there and that's the other thing that i've got because again you know a, a stone building with doors on it is, is boring even if it's a prison but you you tell the story of the people 
mm. that were there. And some of the stork stories are just absolutely captivating, yeah, fascinating of, of the of what happened to them, their last moments of what they went through beforehand, and and some of some of them to escape, some of them that could hang themselves inside the prison, and oh, there's you know. You know, the, the, the tour gets longer and longer. <laughs> but I think you allow the building to speak. You yes. know, as people, you know, we collect memories. Buildings collect memories too. Locations collect memories. And you're allowing those those memories to not be forgotten. You're allowing yes. people to experience them. And I think that's something that really does resonate if yeah. you visit. I mean, just incredible. So you kind of mentioned a moment ago about your jail in particular. Mm. Derby is fascinating because it was site of five prisons, wasn't it? So you had some oh, gosh, that were yeah. county and some that were town prisons, town yeah. jails. Yeah. What was the difference? Do you want to just kind of explain yeah. the, <clears> kind <throat> of the history five, then? Five jails. Um, you ha you'd, you'd have a town jail, which dealt with <laughs> anybody in the in the in the centre in city town, the town centre, uh, and we're talking of people that vagrants robbers uh, riot um drunken disorderlies sort of that sort of thing mm. um and that was for the for the town of derby uh then you've got the county jail and and every every county had once they established the courts and all of that sort of thing we had a proper legal system every county town leicester lincoln nottingham derby all had a county jail and that meant that any crime committed in Derbyshire or Nottinghamshire. So basically, if you if you were a Derby lad, but you went over the border and committed committed a crime in Nottinghamshire, you would actually be imprisoned, tried, and punished in Nottinghamshire. So it's any crime committed in that county, you ended up at the county jail. Um, and we ended up with with three different county jails. Um, one uh, again absolutely f nothing left nothing left fascinating stories of of the first county jail built around eight, uh, 1580 and we've had i mean we had um gosh how many four five catholic priests in sentenced to be hanged drawn and quartered in that building three witches brought there and um uh, one died the night before her execution of, of jail fever, of typhus. Two other witches hanged, because uh, we didn't burn witches in no. England. We hanged them. Um, a girl uh, burnt alive at the stake for heresy. The Quaker movement started in the dungeons of Derby Jail in 1650, um, when the, uh, the guy, guy called George Fox, who was thrown into into what he referred to as the foul stinking dungeon at derby and while he was there he was put it put, brought before the magistrates and told and he told the magistrates to tremble at the word of the lord and he, he was thrown in the jail for a year and while he was there he wrote in his journal they called us quakers at derby and that's how the quaker movement started which is of course international yeah absolutely Huge, you know and there's a, in fact, I've got, I just happen to have the card in front of me here. There is a postcard here, which is that there's a, um, there's a museum, Quaker Museum in, in Preston. Um, and uh, there's a, a thing called the Quaker Tapestries. And tapestry number one, Derby Jail. Wow. Yeah, I mean, wow, got it here in front of me, the postcard with Derby Jail on it. <laughs> 
So, yeah, I mean, so that was an incredible chance. Um, uh, officer from the uh, Royalist Army uh, actually fought, actually genuinely twice at the Battle of Edge Hill, fought against Oliver Cromwell on both occasions during, during the battle and forced Cromwell to retreat himself, not his, twice, forced him physically to retreat. And then three years later, he was severely wounded at a battle, the Battle of Worcester and was brought back to Derby Jail. And because he was a Catholic, they didn't tend his wounds. And five months later, he died in Derby Jail because he was a Catholic. So, you know, it's an almost a, a place of veneration. Is that the right word for, yeah, for Roman so. Catholic? But unfortunately, there's nothing left. Not Nothing left of the, of the building at all. Apart from the fact that some of the fabric of the building and possibly one or two of the doors were brought to my jail. Because that, that old place was, was such a terrible place. Uh, it was built over a sewer. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the A brook that flowed through the centre of Derby was the town sewer. Uh, and the, the jail fever was rife in there. As was drowning because it was built below the water level of the, of the brook. Oh, <laughs> so God. whenever it rained heavily it flooded the jail and drowned the prisoners and we get a lot of rain sometimes here in the uk so yeah you can bit. imagine that was a Just real a problem yeah three in, in 1610 when the brook burst its banks the jailer who also stored his swine his pigs in the prison with the with the prison <laughs> actually wrote on his report three of my prisoners at derby drowned instead of hanged wow yeah so that's that's derby jail number one incredible story Derby jail number two uh and then in 1820 mine was bursting at the seams literally and there were six prisoners in each cell for 23 hours a day with a bucket and uh, they built the most modern prison in the british isles which is vernon street prison the, the number three um eight minutes away that's eight minutes walk that's all away and of course i've got that as well i've got the the, the drop room that the room where they hanged them and also one of the haunted towers um, called Martello Towers, which is more haunted than the than the execution room for some strange reason. Don't know why, but uh, and we do that. We feature that on, on when we do the night vigils. So that people get they get two jails for the price of one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bargain. <laughs> it is. You can't beat that as a bargain. That's incredible. But I, I suppose what you see within this within kind of derby is this evolution as one jail became redundant or overcrowded yep. or not fit for purpose that something else was built and i kind of read somewhere you know a long time ago how one of the sites was also situated in one particular region so that it of course wouldn't be close to this kind of upping up and coming area where the more affluent people were building and kind of putting up their residence their residence and you just kind of you you can kind of picture it, can't you? How one would one would end up here, and why, and one would no longer be something that was used because the conditions, like you said, were so terrible. Um, yeah. And so, what you've ended up with is this collection of of different prisons, some of which sadly are no longer there. But the fact that you have these two remaining is just yes. fabulous. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah, and of course, the second one obviously was a prison. Yeah. Because by 1828, things were, you know, it was a penitentiary as such, you know, uh, very different situation to. But then again, but it started out with public executions in front of the building. Yes. Um, 
um, 11 people hanged in front of the building, three on top of the building, when 40,000 people turned up to watch them hang. But I think that, again, that's something that people really miss, that this was something that was a real spectacle that people were really interested in for, oh, for yeah. different reasons. And, you know, the kinds of relics that people would take away, um, the fascination with the body, you know, all of these things like touching the corpse and yeah. um, it just it was a real kind of moment of fascination that would bring huge crowds, especially if the, the, the person being executed was somebody very much notable. And oh, yeah. crime was very well known. I mean, just huge gatherings. Oh, absolutely. Everything. And, you know, it was public day out for people. Mm. They brought the kids, put them in the Sunday best. Dad put them on his shoulders. Oh, my God. So yeah. they could get a better view of the execution. They bought um, uh, broad, broadsheets, they were, they were all penny dreadfuls, mm. where before the execution, they interviewed the condemned, uh, the local newspaper, and then printed this sheet and sold it like newspaper sellers sold it to the crowd for a penny a sheet. Mm. Um, it was like a, a Westlife program. Yeah. You know, th they wanted to read about the person that was going to dance at the end of the rope and entertain them. It's just terrible. It is. It's it's gruesome, but it's it's a fascination that we can kind of really understand because we you can see similar things. Well, it's even more now with 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 mobile phones. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's terrible. I mean, <clears throat> I was right. Remember, there was a guy that was attacked uh, in, in, on one of the underground stations. Well, you see the whole film of it. I mean, but the fascinating bit was that uh, when whoever, you know, obviously the guy was was caught or helped him. You know, they helped him. And he was trying to stab him. And, and then this guy came up to him. He says, never mind, mate. Don't worry. I've got it all on film for you. Yeah, it's kind of like a bystander thing, isn't it? Yes. You know, people yes. just acting as voyeurs, just really yeah. interested in seeing it play out, something yeah. macabre playing out. Why didn't he drop the phone and go and help the guy? Exactly. Yeah, I've got on. I've got on film for you, mate. I thought, yeah. wow, is that nothing's changed? No, it's just evolved. It's just become something else. It's yes, a different it, incarnation. Yes, it has. Yeah. And I believe that people would still. Well, I know from, because you see, in Iran, uh, where hanging was created in mm. Persia, they're still doing it publicly and they get vast crowds of people. It's terrible to think about, but it is sadly. In, in the 21st century, that they're still turning up to watch, as we would. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's something that we can look at from that perspective of, oh, we wouldn't do that. We've, we've kind of evolved. Yeah. But actually we would. If they televised it. You know, you only have to think about if there's an accident on a motorway, you know, oh. people looking as they're driving. Rubbernecking. Like, we really do have a fascination with with the otherness, something yes, that's happening do. to someone with else. With death. Yes. Yeah, death. Actually. And it's still there with us. It's just, it's not, as you quite rightly say, we've evolved. But that mm. It's evolved, but that's all, nothing more. And I kind of wonder if a, a huge reason why people were so fascinated was because of those superstitions around what happened after death and in particular things that were happening in the kind of the judicial judicial system, you know, the laws being passed, that this was something really about punishing, mm. not just in life, but punishing them in death that kind of has that bit of fascination. You know, you kind of bring people to watch this as a means of saying, well, you know, you don't want that to be you. You've got to live a good life because this could be you otherwise. Oh, oh um, so much so. But the fascinating bit is, and again, really dealing with the ghosty side, yes, ghost side of it, spiritual side of it, whatever, uh, they realised that the 
also had to punish them beyond death. Yeah. And that's what happened in 1752, because obviously there were 222 hanging offences in this country. And and you could be hanged for well, setting fire to haystacks. Four men hanged in front of Derby Jail in 1817 for setting fire to a haystack. Yep. Um, you could be hanged for poaching, shooting rabbits and murder. And so we've got a guy of 25 who's, who's five kids are starving. So he goes and shoots three rabbits and he's caught by the gamekeepers and uh, sentenced to hang. Not only condemning him to death, but probably his children because taking away the breadwinner. They were starving anyway. That's why he went and risked his life shooting the rabbits. And, of course, he was hanged. And then we've got another guy, actually from Derby Jail, that uh, killed his niece and nephew with a gorse hook, mm. which is like a scythe. And the little boy was only four, and he decapitated him. Um, that was his niece and nephew. And, I mean, whether we're into the into execution or retribution or anything else, you know, of those two, we all know which one deserved to hang. But yeah. they were both hanged. And so they realised that they needed to create a punishment beyond death for the murderer. Yeah, somehow making making that distinction that this was above all these other crimes, that yeah. yes, they were still going to punish you for because you know, it was a means of controlling and stopping certain mm. behaviours. And, yeah. you know, it says a lot about the wealthy and the poor, I think. But you're right, it, it creates this sense of otherness that this yeah. is something that really does need punishment beyond all means that we can enact yeah. someone yeah. so that they're and still suffering after death after death yeah and so they created the murder act in 1752 mm. <coughs> which stated that no murderer was allowed to be buried so no laid to rest which is the most important bit of all you know if we're not at rest where are we we're abroad we're a tormented soul wandering the earth uh, no no christian burial service no family around the grave no gravestone no no six foot of english earth but the murderer was then, after after hanging, was publicly dissected in the Shire Hall, which, of course, meant that the body wasn't whole. And so on the Day of Judgment, there'd be no material resurrection for you, and you'd go to hell. Which they knew so many other true. questions then, doesn't it, as to what yeah. happens to them? Yeah, they believed Peter. it. Yeah. They believed it. So I know St Peter's not going to let me in. Well, I'm certainly not going to burn in hell. I'll stop here, thank you. And which is cause ghosts. But these are still things that, you know, have raised similar questions just in the last few years with everything that's been happening with the pandemic, with COVID. Mm. You know, the types of burials that people couldn't have. Oh, dear. You know, it's the same kinds of fears coming through in just a different, yes. in a different evolution. Yeah, yeah you're so right. You're so right. Um, and of course, today, I, I mean this in the nicest way, it did doesn't mean quite as much as it did 200 years ago no. everybody ex you know wanted a decent burial they needed closure mm. uh I, I mean i always use the example of the um well actually you've hit, hit the nail on the head actually with covid but you know the, the, there was a um an argentinian uh footballer that died played for cardiff i think in the plane crash yeah three years ago two years ago and of course they went down and found his body and gave him a decent burial. He was a Catholic, of course, but they never found the pilot. Mm. So what what about the pilot's family? Yeah. What what must they think in the twenty first century? Never mind two hundred years ago. Yeah. You know, no no closure for them. So you're punishing the family of the murderer as well as the the murderer, to be honest with you.
And that was what was really quite brutal about what happened to yeah. prisoners back then, that it, it was something that changed communities, it changed families, it changed mm. lives drastically. And it's, it's really terrible to think about. It's really quite haunting. And, yeah. I, and I was speaking to um, another Richard recently, Richard Sugg, who um, wrote a book called Mummies, Cannibals and Vampires. Wow. And he's looking at, he looked at the history of corpse medicine, which I think also plays into this because obviously, mm. <clears throat> you know, one of the things that he, he makes really clear is that there was nothing that couldn't be done to the human body, including eating them, you know, oh, using yeah. them for medicine. And of course, <clears throat> a, a big part of that was the prisoner, you know, in death, they were dissected, that, you know, their remains were used in corpse medicine, their blood was drank, their skulls were used. I mean, yeah. their fat yeah. was boiled and you, <clears throat> excuse me, used, oh yeah, um, the, the, the touch of the hangman's, hanged man's hand, yep. uh, people queued up to, on the gallows. To, to you know for the, the hand of, of a hanged person to touch the afflicted part of your body yeah um it, wow you know uh, it's just incredible people used to queue up certainly at beheadings uh certainly in europe especially uh to drink the blood of the beheaded person yeah because it cured all manner of ills would you believe and again wow. just so kind of fascinating to kind of realize and see that and understand that that kind of sense of magic belief what they magic. were thinking but also you know we, we were talking about punishing the soul in in that case they're also trying to take from the soul consume from the soul take something from that from that body and that, that moment of death that somehow is going to make them whole again cure yes. whatever illness and yes. and it says so much about their belief system around the soul around what happens in those moments of dying Yes, to, to that person i mean it's incredible you know kind of what we were talking about at the beginning something like this a building like this allows you so many kind of different paths to look at and to explore that are so intriguing you just go down one rabbit hole and you end up somewhere else and then somewhere yes else you do yeah you do that's right yeah it's incredible. i do quite a lot with kids now i do a lot of school school visits and I'm afraid, and the, the 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 gory, the more gory it is, I'm afraid, especially the girls. They love mm -hmm. it. You know, honestly, it's amazing. You know, uh, I don't know what the parents think when the kids come home, but uh, <laughs> the, the the history, well, horrible history, isn't it? It is, and you know, speak. I'm a teacher, <laughs> and I can, are, I can testify to that. But it's because it's so much more real, as opposed to learning a date of something. Oh, you yes. know, being able to be there to see it, having that hands-on history yeah. to connect. We say story, but it's it's real. It's fact. It's yeah. it actually happened. But to connect that detail with the graffiti on the wall, like your example of yeah. PB, suddenly yeah. Yeah. those connections become so much more tangible, and we can understand it. We can see it. It's more visceral, and so therefore it leaves that leaves something with us. It really does impact on us, and that then means that we go away with a much deeper understanding and love of history and connection with you know the, our area that building those memories but if we don't have that we don't have anything like That's you right. said there is no history otherwise and so no, i you think know, you're right you're right it, it, it oh, it's it's a fascinating subject it, it really is, is. <laughs> that's about it so for um, anyone that's kind of not aware of kind of this moment in British history, the judicial system, kind of like crime and punishment, yeah, yeah. what would it what would it have been like for that everyday person who is 
being put on trial, who's going to end up sentenced, what would it have been like from kind of start to finish? Terrifying. Terrifying. Because you see, so, okay, so we've got a guy that, I don't know, he he was, um, he's illiterate, can't read, can't write. Right. He's out of work, actually. He's he's absolutely got nothing to do at all, but wandering around and he's wandering around. And and for three days on the trot, he's he's stopped at the same uh, stone wall in Derbyshire just looking over at the view and there just happens to be 25 sheep in the field mm. and on the fourth day one of those sheep disappears and the farmer's seen this guy for three days standing for want of a better word ogling at his sheep yeah and so he obviously goes to the authorities he knows who the guy is he knows where he lives in the village and uh, the poor chap's arrested uh, and taken to derby jail or whichever jail uh to await trial for sheep stealing he didn't do it. I mean, he was just bored out of his mind and he just used to go for a walk and stop at the same very, very nice spot with a lovely view and what have you. Uh, but basically, the guy's illiterate. The farmer um, drinks in the same tavern in the village as, as the prosecution guy. He's actually in the same club as the judge as well. And that when the guy comes to court, the, the accused, um, he has to conduct his own defence. Mm. There's a prosecution guy to de- prosecute him, a, a learned gentleman, and the judge knows the farmer. The var- farmer says, well, for three days on the drop, I saw him looking at those sheep, and the fourth day it, miss- it went missing. I saw nobody else there at all. It's bound to be him that did it. The bloke protests his innocence. He didn't do it, but he's found guilty and sentenced to hang. And there's no appeal. No. And he's hanged usually within three days of the, ex- of the um, sentence of death. And I I think that's what makes it so extreme, that it could happen so quickly. And it was so um, biased a system. You know, it was very much weighted for one group of society and the rest were just at the bottom of the pile. And the fact that, you know, it could be for any minor thing. I mean, it just beggars belief, really. And and the fact that it could be someone much younger, you know, you don't have the same kind of standards around uh, punishment of of people of certain ages. You know, it really could be someone young, someone very old, men, women, children, you know, just incredible, really, really incredible, mind boggling, really. A boy of nine was hanged in Chelmsford. Which is staggering. For, for, For arson. But it is staggering. And, you know, just the thought of, of that today, it would never fly to, in today's society. But uh, terrible. Fact, we, we hanged a, a girl of 16 in front of Derby Jail in, in 18, 1819. Admittedly for murder, but uh, yeah, a girl of 19 hanged. Okay. Yeah, but there was this, it was just very different. There wasn't the same as I said, the same kind of standards or understanding of the kind of the the human yeah. brain, you know, when it is that people can really understand their actions, um, but just gruesome. And, you know, if you were, if you were a family whose, whose child, whose teenage child has burnt a haystack, mm. you know, if that's how you lose your son, just awful. And the, Unbelievable. Say, the way that it could change lives and communities Particularly, I think for the poorer parts of society who were struggling to survive. Yeah, you know, I'm just surprised horrific. we didn't have revolution. Mm, so am I. I'm very surprised. 
especially when you you know you saw it kind of springing up in Europe how yeah. how it very much kind of went from one European country to another to yeah. another yeah the fact that it didn't happen here around that time I think is really it's it's kind of really staggering that it didn't oh it is um, yeah because you know it really does spark that kind of revolution sparks other revolution I think it does but, it does so and, yeah it's a fascinating subject it really is quite something and I think every part of it was really terrifying and gruesome you know not just the randomness of how you could end up in a court system where you you know you're really uh, you know unfairly going to be judged in many cases but then the conditions that they they were put in for those days and then having to wait knowing that that's going to be their end and then oh, what could yeah. happen to them yeah. after that i mean just awful terrible yeah. oh yeah yeah, and Derby Jail can tell it all. <laughs> and I think that kind of then comes on to the, the next kind of question that, you know, with that history, with the kind of people that have been there who've who sadly lost their lives there in many mm. cases, mm. and in some cases, prisoners who really were committing terrifying, terrible acts, mm. you know, you can kind of understand the volume of evidence of paranormal activity and hauntings that Derby oh, Jail oh, yeah, has, yeah, yeah, why yeah. it has. Yeah. the reputation that it does and similar locations you know i think there's something about jails prisons that really do kind of have that reputation don't they of yeah of being yeah. haunted because you know, you've got all the all the ingredients yeah that that go for a, a, a haunting of whatever sort whether it's you know my favorite subject of of the stone tape theory and and recordings held in the fabric of the building to uh trauma from 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 murder suicide accident execution it's all there all the ingredients are there you know to 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 create um haunted building basically mm, no doubt absolutely. About it. absolutely so do you have any particular because obviously derby jail had i think it was 60 executions 56. Um, 56. Yeah. Um, sorry, sorry. 54 and two, two, two brothers hanged themselves in the cell the night before their execution. Oh, but okay. yeah, yeah, 56 deaths by death by hanging. <laughs> which, which is a horrible number. It's a terrifying number. Yeah. Do you have any particular people, you know, from that list of executions whose story you know what happened to them really kind of resonate and stand out that oh god always kind of leaves that lump in your throat yeah too many <laughs> too many yeah so oh gosh yeah really because again that's it because i've you know I've, I've researched as many of them as i can uh with newspaper articles and stuff like that um and and oh some of them i mean what one guy who was a, it was a forger he was only 23 uh, forger, uh, he'd done very well out of it and dressed in finery, had a coach and all sorts of things, uh, and was sentenced sentenced to hang. And um, he was actually because you see the judge used to play God as well because basically they, they'd sentence an awful lot of people. So say say there was I don't know forty people brought for trial uh, and eighteen probably eighteen um, sentences of death recorded. Then before the judge left town, he went through the list again mm. and decided who would actually hang and who'd be transported. Because he would he would respite some of the hangings. They weren't all hanged. Um, so the first thing you've got, you're all taken back, all sentenced to death, not knowing whether you were going to be respited or whether you were going to hang. Anyway, this guy was put, put up for execution and was actually 
in the condemned cell with his coffin oh. and dressed in his shroud because oh, he was a Catholic. And, and Catholics were, were, were made, they, they had to go to the execution in their shroud and, and hanged them in their shroud. Actually, to to make to, to sort of what's the word I'm looking for? They were second class citizens. So Catholics was, were papists. Catholics were uh, whatever you want to refer to. I don't know. Uh, and and um, it was to get to up to um, so this word. I can't think of what it is. Uh, uh, just to make them feel worse than anybody else, to humiliate them more than mm. anyone. Uh, it was actually dressed in his shroud. And um, about to take him out when a guy luckily came uh, from uh, the king uh, who'd respited him. Uh, but the guy fell off his horse on the way in, into Derby and uh, it took him a couple of hours to recover, much bruised on his face and his shoulder, uh, but managed to get on his horse and literally just arrived before uh, this guy was actually, well, he was ready. Mm. He was waiting to go. Oh, gee whiz. Uh, and he was respited. Uh, and then that was great. And then two weeks later, another order came in from the king to hang him. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. And so this time he, he was taken to the gallows. Um, and part of the part of the re newspaper uh, article asked, he said, he asked the jailer if he could uh, actually walk to the gallows rather than travelling in the cart, which, which he was allowed to do. And uh, when he got to the gallows, um, obviously that was it. He fixed the rope around his neck himself rather than the executioner doing it. And the cart pulled away and the rope slipped and, and occasioned, its, it's occasioned itself underneath his chin, oh. causing him great pain for up to 20 minutes mm. before he finally died. And it then states that the boat and the executioner was a fellow prisoner of his oh. own choosing. Wow. To whom he paid a handsome present. Oh, my God. He goodness. had to choose one of the prisoners to hang him. I mean, oh, my. I've got goosebumps. I've honestly got goosebumps. Right. I mean, I it's right. chilling. Yeah. I mean, Isn't it just? For so many reasons, the arbitrary nature of how someone might be condemned and someone else might have that reprieve. I mean, yes. they reprieved yes, loosely because terrible. they, you know, they were still sent off here, there and everywhere. But just, oh. They're not the, knowing. They're not knowing. Yeah. I mean, that must have been truly terrifying. Yeah. You can't imagine it. No, it's like de death row, of course, isn't it, today yeah. in, in America? But then also the ending, the brutality of, from many prisoners, like you just kind of referenced, that yeah. how it could go terribly wrong because they were not conducted typically by people who had any medical understanding. And so no, no. there were so many examples of it being botched and yeah. just it was not a pleasant end for that reason. I mean, yeah. examples yeah. of people being beaten to try and make it quicker, hanging on the body. I mean, just and awful. Then, I mean, I presume he, he, that's why he fixed the rope himself. Yeah, because he, he probably or helped, thought he might know more about it than the guy who'd never hanged anyone in his life, for God's yeah. sake. Uh, there's another one, a guy called William Wells. He, he admittedly was a murderer, but the, and it said when the hangman fixed the fixed the rope and uh, the knot, and uh, the cart pulled away, and the rope broke, and the guy crashed to the ground and broke his leg, mm. and then they got another rope and and it said hanged him a second time uh but he died slowly 
Mm. Um, but with a broken leg. Just horrible. Oh, dear, 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 dear. Because, I mean, as you know only too well, the awful thing is that when, as you're hanging, it's like that in those days, the legs, go, you know, up and down, you, oh, you, Yeah, you, you I mean, the pain would have been astonishing. I know, I know. Just awful. Um, I've got oh. lo lots, of, lots of accounts of the people and how they died. Now, there's so many books for me to write here, but I'll never get around I to it. I know. I'll never I get around to them. <laughs> You need, uh, you need like a clone of you so that you I can just writer. have that time. You do. No, everyone says one's quite enough. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so fascinating. And again, I think this really does just kind of prove what heritage this building yes. has, the history yeah. that it has, because it's, it's all there. And you, you are so passionate about it. And I think that's what's so incredible. You love the building so much. Well, I, do. I, do, I do, I do, I do. And the I town. obviously haunt it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Be surprised. That, that would be an interesting investigation. <laughs> <laughs> Are you here? Well, hang on a little while and we'll all find out. <laughs> but it, but it's so incredible that you have loved and cared for this property, and you've really helped share the history, paranormal as well as otherwise, oh, yeah. with so many yeah. people interested. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose, kind of following on from that, I, I suppose a really important question to ask is. As someone who is so passionate about history, about the paranormal, what kind of do you think are people's responsibility who are in this field? Ah, you know, oh. it's a big question. See, I'll, tell you, I'll set one word. Yes, Res respect. I think yes, because that's what so many of them don't show. Respect for the truth. Respect for the yeah. spirits. Respect, respect for, for the, the spirit. history. Respect for those that. Because remember, they were they were you and me once. Yeah. So why should they not? have the same respect as we are when we're alive because some of them still think they are yeah and that's the one word that i think you know goes amiss because we get all sorts of silly stories of ghost hunters that you know um yeah and on and tv think, programs but i think it's sad because it also does a huge disservice to the field for the people really it, really it dedicated to exploring the history exploring these accounts exploring the the evidence and and wanting to try and try and get to the heart of some of this yeah that's right you know yeah. it kind of undermines that it becomes sadly, yeah, it cheapens it it does it cheapens it and yeah. i think you know right talking about credibility it undermines that credibility which is so sad it is, it is very no, sad. You're right yeah wow. so we know that darby jail is incredibly haunted <laughs> do you have any personal experiences from within the site well, only that I've seen a ghost at 20 past three on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> Is that good enough? <laughs> <laughs> you see, for some, that would be a great way to finish a working week. <laughs> for others, not so much. <laughs> That's right. And of course, guess what? It didn't get me. No. You know, no. I, 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 of course it bothered me. But, it, it, you know, I saw it at 20 past three gliding down the corridor. Uh, and I've ticked every normal box on the planet to try and disprove it first. And I can't. And then the other one, of course, a few months ago, on oh, would you believe on Halloween? Oh, yes, it would be, wouldn't it? Uh, I, and I'd, fit, I'd done about four events on Halloween, and I'd invited a lot of people off on the events. If they want to come back to Derby Jail, I'm going to do ghost stories for Halloween, oh, uh, starting at 11 o'clock in front of the fire in the uh, the day room. Mm. And I'm, I'm doing a ghost story, and uh, I've got a glass of whiskey on the table. Uh, young lady filming gina gina sugden filming it mm -hmm. and obviously cct cameras on as well 
as my whiskey glass suddenly starts to slide across the table towards me. Wow. On film. Wow. And threw itself off the table. Gosh. Never, ever, ever, ever seen anything like So, of course, Mr. You know, tick the normal boxes. I leap up. First thing I do is check the tables, make sure it's not wet. You know, because you, you, we all know that glasses can slide mm-hmm. on, a, on a bar if there's a lot of water on it or liquid. Yeah. Nothing, no possibility. Next thing I do, I start banging the table with my hands. Put another glass on to see. Banging the table as hard as I can to see if I can make it slide. And it doesn't. But again, I, I then think... tip the table. Try and tip it. But again, I think anything, so do anything incredible. to make it move. Yeah, I think the fact that you explore, well, what could be doesn't. making this and it doesn't, yeah. it, it, again, yeah. it makes yeah. it yeah. incredible. Yeah, and then when you look at the CCTV of it, the whiskey in the glass isn't wobbling. Oh, wow. So there's no vibrations that's going no. at all. Oh, my gosh. I still, can't, I still have got no explanation for it. Well, I have got, I have got an explanation, but, you know, <laughs> only that's some form of energy moved mm. it be it my energy the people in the i don't know or the energy from something that's long gone but it's just that it leaves that question and i think that's what makes it this field so interesting is that it is about questioning and yes. you know we as human beings like questioning and kind of the mystery and the unknown and we're never going to really know. We we might all think that we, we're setting out to prove something. We can't. But what it mm. does is allow us to explore that question. And I think it's a wonderful kind of wonderful kind of route into so much if you if you're interested in this. It really yes, does right. kind of it, yeah. it the questions don't stop. It just gets bigger and wider. And again, that just makes it, I think, a magical field. Yeah, right. Yeah. Absolutely. So what other kinds of experiences, paranormal experiences, does the jail have? Because it's really incredible, the reputation that it has in terms of the amount. Yeah, doors, genuinely. I mean, the doors are so heavy. They, yeah. The wind can't blow a door shut in Derby no. Down. It, 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 we, we have got corridors that, you know, the wind could blow. They're, they're too heavy. They, they close on their own. Footsteps in the corridors, upstairs above us. And all that's upstairs is a beauty a beauty parlour. Uh, they don't work at night. They don't have cleaners. The lady does her own cleaning. There's nobody up there. And we hear footsteps around. Um, they see a, a gentleman sitting in a red coat in the day room. Uh, frequently been seen in the past. I've never seen him. Uh, smells, of course, different. Funnily enough, nice smells, not 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 horrible smells, sort of roses and things like that in 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 one of the cells particularly um people feeling something standing next to them when they're in the condemned cell um we have another room where for years we had a police museum and again on camera we've got a dummy that a, a policeman a modern day police uniform on a dummy been there six years in the same spot and at three o'clock in the morning the cct uh, uh washes it throw itself on the floor Mm. It's impossible. Mm. It's impossible. It can't do it. Been there for six years. That's incredible. I, can't, I, mean, I still don't know how. There was nobody there. Nobody faked it or anything like that. The door was locked. The, the police museum was locked. And it just did it. And there it is on film. Um, yeah, so much. So I, I, the, the phrase I use so often to people, nobody leaves Derby Jail disappointed. No. No. Whatever. And I think that's true for whatever experience they also go for because you offer mm. 
a huge variety of oh, yes. experiences for for what their interests are. Yeah. And I think you're right. You go away not being disappointed. Yeah, that's it's right. incredible. Yeah. And I think, you know, talking about paranormal experiences, my first experience obviously was the most haunted. Yeah. And that yeah. incredible, like mind blowing bit of footage. I remember watching it in the dark yeah, <laughs> of I, I, the yeah. cross moving. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, even to this day, if I think about it, because it's it was so visual and so incredible to see that happen. Yeah. Back then, even all these years later, if I think about it, it's it's burned in my memory and my retinas probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, yeah. I can recall it so vividly, I can replay it in my head because it yeah. was so incredible to see something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. but just phenomenal. So just we were just we were just kind of talking about the types of experiences that people can enjoy and come away from. Do you want to just explain the variety of different things that you do at, that you host there? Because I do think it's really worthwhile pointing that out that, you know, people can go for different experiences oh, and God. come oh, away absolutely. really loving it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's open every Saturday. It, we're hoping, hoping soon to, to open Saturdays and Sundays, but it's open for, on Saturdays from 11 till four. You get a tour around the building. If you want, there's a, there's a bar there. If anybody wants to drink spirits behind the bar as well. Um, <laughs> and then we've got the executions. Uh, once a month, end of every month, I do an executions day at Derby jail. Uh, we've got one on the 30th, 30th of July, uh, which we take people to both. We did the whole range of executions there. Um, and then uh, up to the other jail to Vernon Street Prison to take them around that as well. Um, we do night vigils. Uh, we do a public night vigil once a month, uh, eight till two in the morning with a, a pie and mushy peas during the night uh, as well. Food. Um, oh, dear. I do other that we do. folk. We, do, we have a folk night um, in the jail every now and then. And I do. We're starting doing a thing called a pie and pint night on a Thursday night where we have a talk on anything yeah. ghosts executions murders uh anything under anything under the sun if someone's got you know uh, um a talk they'd like to do about, you know, and you get a pine pint but also doing a folk night as well once uh, every so often with a pine pint english folk music and irish folk night um we're going to do one on jail songs right. one on highwaymen and pirates and all sorts of stuff um, it's a hive of activity I think that's wonderful. That should be part of your marketing. Yeah, sure. You're right. Because, yeah. again, it just, it really is just such an incredible place. I can't kind of state that enough. Atmospheric place as well. Candlelit, fire blazing. Yeah. You know, it's a very good place for hosting all sorts of events. And, again, just wonderful that, you, that you've been able to bring that to people so that they can experience and enjoy that for yeah, whatever exactly. reasons. Because. Yeah. You just come away and you just want to keep finding things out, ask other things, look for something else. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, just it really does bring it to life and bring those memories from that particular time period to life, I think, which is amazing. It does indeed, yeah. So wow. do you do you have any kind of future plans or things that you've got coming up that, you know, you're going to be involved in that we can all look forward to? Oh, good question, that. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm working on a... Well, a TV program for Channel Four. Don't, I don't. You never know. Called Execution: A Medley of Butchery and Torture. Oh, <laughs> I, okay. If if that doesn't end up on Channel Four, I'm going to I'm going to write and 
complaint. I mean, it could be quite because you see, nobody's actually dealt with no. the whole spectrum of, of of execution, and there is no form. There is no form of execution that is humane. No, and not torturous, either mental torture or physical torture. Um, and this will be travelling. Oh, all over the place. You know, it's visiting all the sites in Paris where the guillotine was and the executions and the burial sites after the the, the terror, you know, the, with the French Revolution. And, oh, oh, taking the journey that they did on the tumbrils on the carts from the conciergerie to, to the gallows, to, to the to the um, guillotine. Four different sites they had for the guillotine um, with huge, huge troughs, the troughs, uh, ditches dug near the guillotine to take the blood away that was I mean honestly some of it the, the stories behind it again um quite incredible uh That's then it. there's hangings breaking on the wheel um thrown into um rivers and drowned burnt alive oh, they, oh my god there's so much of it you wouldn't believe it and it, nobody's really dealt with it properly no I think if they have it's tended to be very narrow in focus yes it is Yes. And it's such a big, it's such a big topic, so so oh, much bigger yeah. than people realise, and yeah. that would be incredible to yeah. be explored a bit, you know, oh, more explored fully. in detail, visiting the sites. Yes, uh, that, yeah. that, that's the thing, you know. I mean, I've got two sites, one in Sweden and one in Germany, where they still have the original medieval gallows. Wow. Uh, on a hill, um, stuff like that. The oh, hangman's I... house uh, at Nuremberg on a bridge called Hangman's Bridge, because they used to hang them out. Oh, boy, yeah, there's... there's I'm okay. telling you, I'm sold. I'm already waiting for it to come on my yeah, TV screen now. Yeah, stories like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> That's, uh, that would be the, just the Greeks amazing. used to guillotine people as well. How the, the fact that the guillotine was actually invented in Halifax in, in Yorkshire. I did not know that. It's called the Halifax gibbet. And just yeah. having one built now for the next executions day on the 30th of July, and there will be a fully work, fully working, no, not with a real blade, Halifax Gibbet. And basically what happened there, this was from the 1500s, uh, what happened was um, uh, so that no one person was responsible for the death, if, you, if you'd if you stolen a cow, mm. then what they would do is they would bring the cow along, if they if you hadn't killed it, or probably a horse more like it, I think, and they would, they would have put a rope around the horse's neck, which was attached to the... Halifax gibbet and the horse would be led away and then it would pull a pin out of the gibbet which released the blade wow so the hangman or the executioner didn't actually do it the horse did it <laughs> which is just or a pig would do it if you start whatever uh, and I if mean... that didn't happen and it was a murder or something like that then all the people in Halifax or the men about 20, 25 of them would all hold the rope and pull it. Wow. So that not one person was responsible for the death. So never mind the guillotine being French. It's not. It's from Yorkshire. That's just, that's incredible. I mean, yeah. That is just so fascinating. Oh, there's so much of it. Madame Tussauds, um, she uh, lived in Paris and um, uh, she worked for a Doctor, can't remember his name at the moment. Uh, there's too much in my mind. And uh, when the when they started beheading people, uh, they they had a waxworks uh, yeah. museum in 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 Paris. And Madame Tussaud, uh, she that wasn't a name then. Uh, uh, she was oh dear, can't remember. Madame Groschvelt. And um, 
she worked for this guy that did the sculptures and she'd learned to do it as well. And he used to send her off to the guillotine um, and then she would follow the cart with 20, 25 guillotine people, followed it to the uh, mass uh, burial site and they would tip all the bodies and the, the heads into the burial site like, like so many turnips. And then she would climb down into the pit to identify who was a, a famous head and make a wax, uh, a plaster cast of, of that face. And then they took it back to uh, the museum area and they made waxworks of the famous people, the King, Louis, Louis XVI, mm. uh, Marie Antoinette, uh, whoever, whoever was famous. And then they had a, a display of, of the, uh, the waxworks in this museum in, in France. And then she married this man called Tussaud and she eventually moved to London and set up Madame Tussauds. Which again just kind of highlights what we were talking about: people's fascination with the macabre and yep. death, and yep. you know, these death masks, effectively, death masks aren't they? The but to climb down into the burial pit, to, yeah, to kind this of woman, woman, get that hands-on, to pick up the head, oh, and and make make a plaster cast of it. I mean, oh, that's boy. just good, isn't it? It is good. Please, please, I'm like praying to the gods now. Please make Working sure that that ends up on the TV. Working on it, yeah. That would be incredible. Oh, honestly, I have just thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. And I will make sure that we put all the details for Derby Jail and everything, all your Facebook, everything on the website and the podcast episode descriptions. Because if people haven't been, then they're honestly missing out. And if they haven't looked and seen what you're doing and the wealth of different opportunities for, you know, events and activities, then they are missing out. And so I really highly recommend everybody takes a look, goes and have a wander around Derby Jail, um, takes part in one of these events and you won't be disappointed as we kind of established. So thank you so much for your time, Richard. I will say goodbye to everyone else who's listening. Bye everyone. If you like this podcast, there's a number of things you can do. Come and join us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. Spread the word about us with friends and family. Leave a review on our website or other podcast platforms. To support the podcast further, why not head on over to join us on Patreon, where you can sign up to gain a library of additional material and recordings. And in the process, know you're helping the podcast continue to put out more content. On a final note, if you haven't read it already, then you can find my piece In Search of the Medieval in Volume 3 of The Feminine Macabre over on spookeats.com or via Amazon. Links to the book will also be in the episode description. Thank you everyone for your amazing support. Mm-hmm.